Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Dan Thomas, MD of Hammer Metals and ASX Lister Junior Explorer. They've been spending their time over the past few five, six years trying to uh, understand what Mount Isa, their core project, holds. They've been chasing copper. At one point, they had uh, Newmont in there as a JV partner, but they walked after 18 months. Currently have JOGMEC, the Japanese Oil and Gas and Metals Corporation, in there looking to spend six million bucks for a 60% earning, two million of that over the next 15 months. So we look forward to seeing what that delivers. And that is only on 10% of the property. The company has taken advantage of the gold bull market and segued over to a project which they picked up last May called Bronze Wing South Gold. Early days, they've got about a couple of million bucks which they intend to spend to try and understand what they have there and then work out how they monetize that. Enjoy the podcast. Hey Dan, how are you doing sir? Good, Matthew. Thanks for having me on. Well, pleasure. Thanks. New story for me and uh, the watchers of this show. So delighted to have you on. So you're, where are you at the moment? You're in Perth, I guess. In the office in Perth. Back to work. Everything back to normal, is it? Pretty close. We're back drilling in two weeks. So it'll feel like we're back uh, back in the sense of normality very soon. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, look, uh, Dan, why don't we kick off? We always ask for a one minute summary of the company and then we can pick it up from there. Sure. So Hammer Metals is a copper and gold explorer. We've got tenure in Mount Isa, one of the best base metal regions in the world. We've got over 2,000 square kilometres of tenure there. We're exploring for copper and gold, a large-scale IOCG deposit, Ernest Henry style is what we're after. We've also got a project in Western Australia, um, a gold project in the Yandel Belt, a prolific gold-producing belt. And we've got some tenements there. We're just south of the Bronzewing Gold Mine, um, acquired by Northern Star Resources last year. We're literally 100 metres away from the old mine there. Um, and we're, we're active there exploring for gold as well. Okay, fantastic. Thanks, Dan. Look, um, I always try to understand you know, where the company is coming from and what the management is trying to create. So, I mean, how, how long has this been in the making? When, when did the company first start? Sure. So Hammer's probably um, got its roots back to about 2014, predominantly focused on Mount Isa back from 2014. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of guys involved on our board, Russell Davis has worked in, in that region for a long time. Also, Ziggy Libanecki, who's joined more recently. Both of those guys were part of the Gold Road story and, and bought that from, a, I guess, a company with a very low market cap through to the $1.8 billion company it is today. Um, so we've been involved in Mount Isa for that period of time from 2014. We've probably raised over that period about $20 million in expenditure, which has gone to um, explore primarily in the region. Um, we've got five projects there that have got jork defined resources on them. Mm -hmm. um, and more recently, last year in 2019, um, I guess a little bit of change of focus for the group, we brought in the Bronzewing Gold South project. Um, and we've been exploring there for just on 12 months now. Okay, so you've, you've raised 20 million, market cap sort of 12, 13 million today. Um, it's an exploration story. Things don't always go to plan. So why don't we start off with what the plan was and then we'll kind of get into, you know, why Mount Isa has not quite delivered for you yet. So what was the plan uh, back in 2014 and has that changed much since? I'd say the plan hasn't changed. The way we go about it has certainly changed a little bit. Um, as you can imagine, six years on the one project gets a little bit of investor fatigue, and I think we've seen that, and we probably saw that culminate in our move to the gold project last year. I think really the plan there has been to define a large-scale deposit, and we were hoping to do that ourselves. 
primarily funded by our, our capital raisings and the like. Um, but I think over time what we've seen is the um, a small scale budget spread across a very large area doesn't always produce the results you're hoping for. Similarly, I think um, there's there's a lot of work to be done over 2,000 square kilometres. There are large parts of the project areas that haven't necessarily um, been easy to explore or easy to get money into the ground. We had a joint venture there in 2017 with Newmont. Um, they were involved in the project for about 18 months. Unfortunately, they didn't like what they saw. They drilled, I think, four or five holes there in total, spent a few million dollars on the project. Um, and we get a little bit of fatigue, I guess, once you have those types of people come and look at your projects and not having the immediate success, a lot of people have a tendency to write off the potential of a whole area based upon a very limited program. So what's changed? Um, we've probably taken a pause, especially since I joined in October last year, to really understand what we've got there and making sure we're progressing things in the right manner. I mentioned that we had the five resources there, five defined resources. We've spent a lot of time in the past looking at potential studies and potential development options on those projects. I think the key to us unlocking the value within those JORC resources is really having more exploration success and making sure we're targeting the best best projects that we have in Mount Isa. Right. And 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 in that regard, we've, we've managed to bring in a joint venture partner, JOGMEC, on about 10% of the tenure there. They have a $6 million expenditure over a period of five years to earn a 60% interest in that project. One of the key things there was they had a rapid start. They had a $2 million commitment over about a 15-month period. So we're in the middle of that at the moment. So we're really getting some work into those projects. Um, and then similarly, one of the things we've done since I've come on board is really sort of leverage into some funding opportunities through the Queensland Government. And those particular opportunities have been 100% funding um, for particular ideas and particular projects. So over the next couple of weeks, we've got the joint, the JOGMEC joint venture drilling to come, and we've also got um, some drilling of a, a target through government-funded money. So that's really been a non-dilutionary way to bring our projects okay. forward. Okay. So the, the, the JOGMEC thing, which I guess we'll get on to in a second, that, that's, that's only 10% of the position there. Um, that's smart. But you're not in control of that. So let's let's talk about the things that you are in control of. You you made some good points there. These are large areas, and you can't do much on, with large areas without much capital. Okay, so you need some money. You probably got what is it? Less than two million bucks in the treasury at the moment. Is that fair? Oh, we've got two point eight as of last quarter. So, two point eight. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're in a not bad position there. Okay. We'll probably say predominant focus of our funding at the moment. Our hundred percent funding is going towards our gold project in Western Australia, but you really want to know how we're advancing those Queensland projects. Well, let's, let's stick with Mount Isa because that, that's been sort of, you, I know you've only joined in October and I guess there's a new set of plans, which I want to find out about, but you know, that's been a long time in the making. It, do you think that the best way forward is to do more of these kind of earnings with people like JogMeg on, on that because you just don't have the capital to do it yourselves? Or do you think there's an angle for you to actually control some of the accretive component. Yeah, sure. I think there's certainly an opportunity for us to play a big part in what's there. I think at the moment our investors are certainly more in tune with gold exploration than they are for copper and gold exploration. So for us, really at the moment, we're trying to find other joint venture opportunities within our Mount Isa portfolio. We've also been really cognizant that we don't necessarily want to joint venture out our existing resources unless there was a tremendous deal on the table with them. 
So we've been quite selective about who we've approached and how we've approached divvying up that portfolio, while also, I guess, following a little bit of that prospect generator model, whereby we're taking some really early stage ideas and concepts, spending a low amount of money on them, proving up reasonable targets, and then looking to find a party that might want to come in and fund them for a, for a stake in the project. Okay, so you, let's, let's talk about Newmont for a second. They're obviously a massive company. Their drivers are going to be very different from lots of other companies. So what, what was your take on that when, oh, I know, again, perhaps prior, prior to you joining, but what was the company's take on, the, on Newmont's decision to walk away? Yeah, sure. I think it was disappointing, but it's not uncommon to the way that large companies will uh, approach some of these projects globally. They'll come in with a certain model and a certain idea and a certain, uh, I guess, expectation in terms of results. And if they don't get them, they've probably got a very um, disciplined way of cutting and running. And I think that's what we saw with what they did in, in, in Mount Isa. I wasn't here at the time, but my view is that to condemn a fairly large project area on the back of three or four or five drill holes is a little bit premature. But they're, but they're obviously looking for like you know big type ore bodies. They're looking for big numbers. Um, so that kind of helps us, I, I, I guess it does help us identify a threshold at which they think this region has got potential for. They, they're, not, they're not saying big potential. No, I, I, I disagree with that a little bit. I think if you have a look at our tenure and where we sit, we sit within 100 kilometres of five major tier one ore bodies. The particular position that we've picked in the Mount Isa region isn't an accident. We've picked the two major fault structures running through the area we see the potential for those fault structures to deliver large scale deposits as being a prime reason why we're still there and why we're still concentrating. I think JogMet coming in and participating is validation of some of those exploration concepts. We'll be drill testing one of these particular targets where the operator of the JogMet joint venture, we're, we're generating the ideas, we're generating the, the drilling, um, uh, I guess, uh, ideas. And we're hoping that um, we will unearth one of these large-scale deposits and I think JogMec share our view on, on that potential. And just, uh, I think the 10% that they hold is scratching the surface in terms of the overall tenure. So I, I'm really excited that the broader portfolio there has got the ability to deliver. And I think um, getting our story out there and making sure people are aware of what we're doing is the key to attracting some of these players to come in and take another look at our portfolio. Okay, but that's not for now because you're not going to be spending money there now. You want to focus on the gold. Right, so in Correct. terms of mine hours, there won't be any more sort of JVs or earnings until you've got the ability to go and spend some money yourself, identify as a kind of, whether, whether it be a project generator type model or JV exploration yeah, sure. model. Yeah, and more recently, we've just completed one of those Queensland government grants that I mentioned. So we put $100,000 into a magnetotelluric study there. Um, we've done it right next to one of our deposits that we've got there, the Kelman deposit, 20 million tonnes at about one and a half to 2% copper. What we've shown there is some fantastic conductive structures that sit nearby that remain untested. So we are slowly developing some of these ideas and these are the types of concepts that we'll take to people out there to say, hey, look, here's a fantastic deposit that sits here currently probably not economic, but right. with real potential and exploration success party coming into fund that really takes that project to the next level. So while I say we're not spending money in Mount Isa, we're not spending the same amount that, or the same quantum that we're spending in Western Australia, but we're certainly busy, active there trying to generate ideas. But you, but you, get, my, you get my point. I'm just trying to work out the direction of the company and the focus where people should be looking. Because obviously spending 100 grand, you're not going to have people banging down the door and saying, Let, let's work together on that. You, you won't have done enough work for that yet. 
not necessarily. I, I mean, the project that we spent the 100000 on is rejuvenating a 20 million tonne, 1.5% copper equivalent deposit. So I think the potential for someone to come in and take another look at that particular project is, is there. Um, I don't know that we've marketed that particular project very well to external parties to come in and potentially look at a joint venture. Um, a why lot of why not? Like, what, what, do, what do you think you should have done? What do you think you should be doing with that? Um, that's a good question. Before my time, I, I think really the, the external focus was with Newmont and what Newmont were doing at the time. And I think the focus was about generating the, the internal leads ourselves and, and doing some of that exploration. So we drilled, for instance, at the Kelman deposit, we drilled a, a, probably an 800 metre diamond hole at, at the deposit. Um, we had a little bit of success with it. I think we hit uh, seven metres at about 22% copper. Fantastic drill hits just down at 600 metres. To drill some of those exploration holes, though, 800 metres for a junior company is expensive. Um, and it's not necessarily for us at the moment. But I think marketing that particular story and that particular project in a different way will hopefully bring people into the story. And that's part of my role here at Hammer is to to really show people the potential that we've got in some of these systems and the types of exploration results they might be able to have. And when do you think you're going to know enough to be able to start having those conversations? It was a big plan for this year and we had a whole calendar mapped out of getting in front of people. So um, it's a little bit disappointing with COVID and where it's at. It is what it is. We've got enough other opportunities out there to really push hard on at the moment and finding a JV partner on some of that Mount Isa tenure really is a secondary focus for the company at the moment, but it's still a I still think a valid way of moving that portfolio forward. Okay. And do you think at 12, 13, 12, 13 14 million Aussie, you're getting any um, credit for Mount Isa? Is that being valued at all in that market cap? I don't believe so. 350,000 tonne of copper equivalent metal in the ground, I think, carries a little bit more of a, um, a premium to it than that. I think the Mount Isa story is largely forgotten at the moment. I think we really need to change the story there somehow. And I think that is through additional exploration and some good news there. Um, how we do that and how we fund it, I think, is the, is the question that you're getting at, Matthew. I think yeah. um, we need to find an effective way to move that project forward because if we're not moving it forward, we're, we're not going anywhere. I think some of the JogMEC work will hopefully reinvigorate with, with some drilling success, reinvigorate our Mount Isa story and the interest in those particular projects in our portfolio. Okay, well, let's, you, you need some time uh, to sort of see what, what happens with JogMEC. Uh, I appreciate they're doing it on a slightly accelerated time frame, which is good for you. Um, and I hope it's not a Newmont situation. I hope they, they, they do find something. But let's get on to bronze ring, because as you say, everyone's excited about gold at the moment. Um, you know, it's a bull market, fantastic. So you segued uh, into that, um, which is probably smart. So what's, what's happening at Bronze Wing South Gold at the moment? It's a relatively new project. Yeah, so the Bronze, Wing, the Bronze Wing South Gold project's a really sort of um, infamous project in, in Western Australia in sense it was involved in a high court stoush for a period of about 10 years. Um, got resolved finally in 2002. Again, Newmont got on the ground there in 2002. They did about one year's of uh, effective drilling there, did a very large air core program across the property. Uh, they drilled about nine holes that went below about 120 metres of depth before the gold price crashed in 2003. They closed up shop at, uh, at Bronzewing and, and moved on. So the project, the, the project area immediately to the south of the Bronzewing mine there has been very lightly done in terms of exploration. Uh, we picked up the property into the portfolio in May last year, 
we've uh, we've done some initial geophysical work there. We did a 14 hole, uh, 2,700 metre reverse circulation drilling program there. Uh, we got some interesting results, but we're really still learning about the project. And I think anybody that uh, hasn't spent significant time in the Yandel Belt will tell you that the geology there is complicated. The original bronze wing discovery hole was a was a fairly regular anomaly in terms of the gold context, fairly shallow, um, but not high grade. We've got a few of those types anomalies through the property and we're, we're really hopeful that there's uh, there's more to come with, with the Bronzewing South Tenement. Uh, as I said, we've had it in the portfolio for 12 months. We've also got um, an area which trends to the north of the Mount McClure gold deposits, all within 15 kilometres of the Bronzewing gold mill. Um, we've really focused on that area. We've done a lot of air core drilling there. We've had some nice results. We've had uh, shallow gold, sort of four metres at three to four grams per tonne. We now see mineralizations stretching for over a two kilometre trend. And in many ways, we're really fortunate. Uh, when COVID struck, we were halfway through a drilling program when we decided to suspend it. We had the time to come back, review the first part of the program and the results and the results that we drilled at the end of that part of the program were, were quite encouraging and really sort of lengthened, doubled the length of the, the mineralisation trend that we're seeing there. So now at over two kilometres, we really have the ability with the second half of that program and the budget to come in and do infill drilling rather than looking in other areas for, for gold. So the North Aurelia trend for us at the moment is probably the highest priority. We're, we're back there drilling in two weeks. We're quite excited to infill some of those lines of, uh, of air core drilling. Hopefully we find some areas with maybe slightly thicker or higher grade um, and we can come in there and we can follow up with some reverse circulation drilling thereafter. So there's plenty of targets at, at Bronzewing. Um, we've got a full program ahead of us. Um, we've also recently won some funding off the West Australian government to drill a couple of deeper diamond holes on the Bronzewing South property. Um, we're still working out when we're gonna do that and how we'd like to go about drilling those targets. But it's um, been a project, I think, for the company in the current environment and the current interest in gold that's really brought a breath of, of fresh wind in, into the group. The other thing that I touched on earlier, both uh, Ziggy and Russell having been at Gold Road and having taken a, a gold exploration company through to production and development, I think is is having a right team involved. And the guys have been pretty tireless in trying to put together the puzzle at both sure. Bronzewing South and North Aurelia. Sure. Okay. Well, that, 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 that's the team. Let, let, let's just stick, let's stick with the what you've got there now. Now, you, you mentioned sure. you're excited. The market's not. So how do we get your level of excitement into the, into the marketplace? Because the other thing you said was this is it's a very complex region, okay? Complicated to me equals expensive. So how do you use what limited resources in terms of cash you've got to ensure that you get the, the type of data that you're going to need to get the market excited? So for instance, on Bronzewing South, what we did was rather than continuing to drill deep RC holes, we, we paused a button. We went away, we reviewed those results. We went and did a detailed gravity study there. Um, we've just got the results back from that detailed gravity study. study. So that really gives us a, a focus area to target in on our next program. Similarly, um, drilling uh, at North Aurelia, we've really tried to target areas with some historic mineralization that looked interesting. I think the thing to point out is that these areas have had a lot of historic exploration done on them, not Bronzewing South per se, but North Aurelia but the old exploration that was done there was done sort of vertical holes, chasing vertical mineralization to a nominal depth of 21 meters. 
So again, where we've had sniffs of old information that have given us indication where to start and where to start looking is where we've gone and we've typically had success there. But what we've really shown is that the historical work hasn't been sufficient. So again, taking our time with some of this exploration means we can really focus in on where we're going and how we're going about it. I know investors don't like you taking extra time. I know they don't like the exploration cycle. But for us, it really has been a key to making sure we're not out there blowing the whole budget aimlessly. We've really narrowed in on some areas that we think will offer some, some upside to our, our story. And how do we get that excitement in? Well, it's about telling the story better. It's about um, highlighting the results. It's, um, it, it really is um, people to understand the significance of the area and what we're seeing and what we're achieving there relative to, to what some of the other stories out there might be. Okay, so you've been there nine months. You've got your feet under the table. What was the company doing wrong before you arrived? Good, 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 good question. I don't think they were doing a lot wrong. I, I mean, good team, good projects. Um, maybe for a little while they didn't have a lot of commercial strategic focus on how they were approaching these things. In saying that, I can't take any credit for the Jogmec joint venture. I walked in and that was ready to go pretty much. Um, the guys have done a great job getting Jogmec interested and involved in the project. Um, so I think from our, from my perspective, what, what can be done and what can be done differently, telling the story is an important part of it, um, but also thinking and acting strategically about how we focus on things. Some of these government funding ideas, I mean, for our shareholders, they're invaluable. It's generating news flow, it's generating geological information, and let's hope it generates some success. I, I think they're the key points in, in trying to do things a little bit differently, a little bit uh, more focused and hopefully adding some value. Yeah, I mean, getting getting the government money in is obviously it's less dilutory. It's not a story in itself. Um, what you what you find under the ground is, is the story that you're going to be aiming for. So, once you have spent the money that you've got today on um, Bronze Ring South Gold, are you going to go and raise some more money, or are you going to try and find another jog mech? Or I mean, what, what's the what's the model going forward? What's the next step? So one of the one of the interesting parts of our capital structure are 200 million options or 190 million options that sit out there with an expiry date of September 30. So my view is they have really created a, a, a cap on our share price and I think that they've contributed to uh, let's say a lack of excitement or lack of interest in our story. When you see your capital structure potentially blowing out by 30%, I think it's very hard for retail investors to get overly excited by what's coming up. But in terms of funding, uh, and the reason they were put in place at the time is obviously looking for exploration success. There's not long to go on them with some exploration success and getting them into the money would bring in five and a half million dollars into the company. Um, so in terms of funding, plan A, get the options in the money, get them exercised, have funding for the next 12 months. Um, meanwhile, looking at opportunities to bring in JV partners in Mount Isa. Um, plan B, well, plan B, um, I think not having those options there anymore certainly opens up the story to new investors and new potential um, placements and the like. Uh, again, having some moderate success in either of our programs will great, greatly assist in that. So, again, I think it will be a combination of looking to the capital and equity markets in the future while also finding ways in which we can creatively fund those other projects through joint ventures and um, doing it where it makes sense, where we see that it adds value to our story rather than giving away giving away the shirt on our back, so to speak. Okay, so you're going to, what are you in a holding pattern for four months on that front? Uh, 
from a funding perspective, I think it limits our ability to do anything too differently in the future, but we're funded well enough to complete this year. Uh, 2.8 million in cash, over a million dollars in JogMEC expenditure, 450,000 in government funding. It gives us a cash balance of nearly $4 million for the, for the coming 12 months. Um, okay. So the way I see it, there's plenty of news flow to come um, before we have to go and, and, and seek money from the markets again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, let's let's just talk with the people. So you, you've talked about a, a, a couple of um, new guys to the team. Obviously, Ziggy, um, well known. Um, what are you charging them with, with them with doing? And are, and are they full time, or is this just they're helping you at the end of a phone phone call? I mean, how does it work? So um, I wish I could keep Ziggy out of the office at times, but he's been a tremendous help and. He's actively, actively working in our programs. I think he's planning a trip up for when the drilling starts at uh, Bronzewing next week or two weeks' time. Um, he's been a tremendous asset for the company. He's buying shares on market, um, continual supporter within our, our raisings and our placements. Um, I think he bought during the lows of, of the COVID price, um, a, a firm supporter of the story. Equally, Russell, Russell's bought shares on market over the last 12 months dissipated in the placements um, and the raisings. So those guys um, are not only passionate and believers about the story, they're also actively involved on a sometimes daily basis, if not weekly, um, actively in the office, actively offering their advice and their tutelage in terms of what, how the prospects are shaping um, and ultimately where, where, we're, where we're progressing opportunities and where we're ranking our targets. Okay, and I know you're new, but are you, you're also buying, I presume? I haven't bought on market yet. No, I haven't. Um, oh, so, naughty! Very um, naughty. No, but, yes, so no, it's one of those one of those things I should have been doing, but haven't got to yet. Um, with a bit of uncertainty, <clears throat> few 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 cuts around the edges in terms of um, COVID, um, but certainly on the agenda. It's certainly on the agenda. Okay, good. But you th- you think retail should be buying this story, or at least paying attention until you uh, get rid of that overhang. Um, how do you guys, because there's a few people, they've got six people um, board and management there. They're not all paid, are they? Uh, so all of the directors are paid. And so there's there's two full-time employees with the company, myself and Mark Whittle. And then there are three other directors. So uh, that would make five. So they the, the three other directors also get a director's salary, do they? Director's fee, very modest fee relative to market, I, I would I would say. You would say. Okay, brilliant. Well, look, um, thanks, Dan. Great uh, introduction to the story. Um, you know, I always trying to, like I say, you know, trying to understand the, the background to the story and then next time we talk, we can sort of dig a little bit deeper and get into the weeds a bit. But that's a, that's a yeah. nice overview. I appreciate that. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the story. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.